welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. And I'm Noelle. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello. Today on Coffee and Catholics, we are discussing charitable discourse. So how do we show charity to those that we disagree with and possibly get us a little riled up? We press the snooze button on our Facebooks, first of all. (laughs) No, I think, you know, we, especially with social media and online communication, it's really hard to put a face to who we're talking to and read tone and understand tone. So I think social media has made the disagreements that we have with people just so much more magnified. Whereas if we actually sat down face to face and had a conversation and heard each other's stories, heard, you know, what led you to this conclusion, Mm -hmm. I think that would be a lot easier. You know, my husband was having a disagreement with somebody that went on for like three days and he's so consumed in his phone he's so worked up about it he's like they're not understanding me and then they're bringing up all these other issues and I think that that's another issue is when we bring in so many other topics and so many other tangential points instead of focusing in on one thing what is that one thing that we're discussing that we don't see eye to eye on um, and can we sit down and have a face-to-face conversation about it Well, and I think anytime we have a conversation with anybody in person or on social media, and I think especially on social media, because you're right, like it's so easy to just kind of say what you want to say because you're not in front of that person. You don't have to see their their look on their face. You don't have to deal with them. You can just, you know, not look at their comment or not respond or whatever. Um, So it's a lot easier to kind of attack somebody. But basically, I think in either instance, we need to start with prayer. I think that's the first and foremost with anything that we really talk about is starting out with prayer because it seems like as human beings, like we want to be able to kind of our default is to defend ourselves and go on, go on the, the defensive side or go on the offensive side. And um, so I think it really is like a grace thing to be able to be charitable towards those that we disagree with, especially when it's like a heated type of topic um, or, or controversial type of topic. Because it's, it seems almost counterintuitive, I think, to the world to will the good of another person when they're being rude to you. You know what I mean? It's kind of like we, we default to that eye for an eye and, you know, tooth for a tooth and all of that. But, you know, then Christ came along and said, no, that's not actually what I want you to do. Like, I want you to love your enemies and I want you to pray for those who persecute you and all of that. And I know that, and not trying to toot my own horn, but like, you know, when I've tried to do that in the past where I've talked to family members who are not really religious and I say something like, you know, well, pray, pray for their good and hope for their good. And they look at me like I'm crazy because they're like, well, this person said this and this and this about me. Why on earth would I possibly, you know, do kind things for them and want kind things for them? But I think the point behind all that is that when we do that, you know, it can diffuse the situation. It can just bring more love into the world. You know, when there there could be, if he didn't do that, there could be, you know, more hostility and more anger and more attacking from both sides. But if you allow God to give you that grace of charitability, it, it can change other people's minds a lot faster than yelling at them and telling them that they're wrong. 
when so. David and I, when we were uh, going through the marriage prep program, our mentor couple put a note in our file that our deacon had to go over with us that was like, it seems like Noelle thinks that she's always right. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think that. I know that. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and that was a really, that really hit me hard because it, it wasn't that I, I was even thinking that way that I think that I'm always right. But it's like, I want, I, you know, St. Paul says always be prepared to have a reason for why you believe the way that you believe, you know, always be ready to give an explanation for your faith. And so when I have made a decision or when David and I were disagreeing about something, I had a whole process, a whole logical process for how I came to that conclusion, you know? And so one of the hard things in our marriage has been when he's brought that up to me, like, See, you think that you're right again. You're not acknowledging my feelings. I'm so caught up into my process for how I came to this conclusion that sometimes it's hard for me to engage in another person's process for how did they come to their conclusion um, and to have the humility to do that. Um, it also takes a vulnerability because there could be a chance that you're wrong and that there was a flaw in the way that you came to your conclusion, mm-hmm. you know, and so hearing somebody else out without the assumption that you are correct is very difficult. And, um, David, I asked David, uh, my husband, I, I said, you know, please don't, don't keep bringing this up to me when we're arguing that, oh, well, here we go again. You, it goes back to, you think you're always right. I said, because I'm really, I'm really trying to hear you out and to not assume that I have the answer. And so he's honored that for me. Um, and I think that I am learning through this communication, just in my marriage for how to engage other people outside who they think I'm wrong and I think they're wrong (laughs) and we need to just engage in, okay, how did you come to this conclusion? I think we also have to remember that people come to their conclusions or opinions based off of the experiences that they've had. Mm -hmm. So like if somebody has had a past hurt or a past mistrust or a past whatever, you know, event, those could be influencing their reaction in the moment with you, even though that didn't occur with you, it could be influencing their reaction to the conversation that you're having. Well, I think that's too why when we're having conversations with people that we disagree with, like I used to, you know, I still oftentimes think that I'm very, very right and people need to know my opinion. And if they, if they just heard me out, they would change their mind and then their life would be so much better. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't do that. I feel that way with my children. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I used to have conversations with people, especially with regard to religion. I would have conversations with people in order to change their mind. That was the, the goal that was in mind mm-hmm. because they were, you know, atheists or they were agnostics or they were, you know, fully anti-Catholic or anti-religion altogether. And, you know, I just needed to, you know, pull out my apologetics hat and, you know, tell them all the facts and then they would change their mind. And I was just like so surprised that they didn't change their mind after every conversation. I was like, what am I doing wrong? And then after just a long time of like praying and learning more and whatnot, um, finally came, and it, I mean, what I've been Catholic now for going on nine years, I think. And I've learned this within like the last year. But um, 
that you know when we have conversations i think it's not we if you go into it trying to have the conversation to change that person's mind right then and there you're pretty much going to fail 99.99 percent of the time Mm -hmm. and you're going to be disappointed and then it's going to be hostility between the two of you because you are really shoving what you think down that person's Mm -hmm. throat but i think if instead you go into a conversation with someone you disagree with to try to one understand genuinely understand that person's point of view how they came to the conclusion that they came to why um you know why they disagree with you and just be willing to share your opinion with them in hopes that you can maybe plant a seed you know and then let god do the rest i think a lot of this is like we want to have that control over what other people think because we think we're right and you know we very well might be just because you know people disagree doesn't mean that there isn't objective truth there yeah, I think that if you just you just had to have to let go of that control, that, that that desire to have control in that situation, plant the seed, and then just let God take care of the rest. And if other opportunities come up, you know, take advantage of those and stuff. But just, I think that's a lot of what charitability is in conversation is just being willing. Like you said, Noel, <laughs> I got the baby crying. <laughs> but um, you are welcome at the table. Mm-hmm. But um, like you said, Noel, um. You said something. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was good too. Well, th- when you think of when Jesus got lost in the temple, what did they say about him? It specifically says they were made amazed at the questions he was asking. And right when we get when we're trying to engage somebody in how did they get to this conclusion, you have to ask questions and yes. listen because sometimes. As somebody's leading me through a question process, sometimes I come to the conclusion on my own. It might be a little bit different, but um, for example, I one of the most brutal things I've ever been through was somebody asked me, how did you come to know that Jesus loves you? And I said, well, I went to this retreat and it was really powerful. And they said, no, how did you know that Jesus loves you? How did you come to that conclusion? And I was like, I told you I went to this retreat and he goes, no, how do you know? And I started to cry. I'm like, I already told you that it was a powerful retreat. And then finally, and when I was finally broken down into this like state of, it was because I, for the first time I heard about the physical and emotional suffering that Jesus went through for me. I had never heard that before. And then it made sense to me. That's when I really believed and knew that God loved me. But you know, sometimes we're, oh, we always know that God loves us, or mm-hmm. I always feel this way about abortion, or I always feel this way about this political party, or whatever it is, you know, when did you come to that conclusion? Why? What were those circumstances mm-hmm. that really engages somebody in the process? And you're walking with them, and and they're walking you through um, this disagreement to, to see where can we find some common ground, and do we actually even disagree? That's an incredibly good point. Um, I think that's the, the nail on the head right there, and this is when we fail. The gospel test is when we start trying to get inside people's minds instead of engaging their hearts. Like if you look at Jesus, if you watch Jesus, and you pay attention to the way that he does things, he's always very curious about people who are in pain or who show an evident wound or who are on the fringe, people who we would probably disagree with, you know? <laughs> He's always intensely curious about those people, and he asks a lot of questions about those people, and he asks them to their face. And he seems, I think we forget sometimes as humans why we're here, the entire purpose of why we're here. 
is not to convince anyone of anything. It's to illuminate. It's to bring light. It's to let God, the face of God, shine through in the things that we say, in the way we say it, in the way that we do it. And that's, I think, the crux of why we have these struggles is that we, we, we tend to think that my position is to do something to you when really it's my position is to reveal to you the heart of God, the work of God in my life and let that speak for itself. And I think that's where I go wrong, definitely. I think that's where most of us go wrong is like you said, Alicia, when we try to change something about the person, when really we don't see a lot of that going on <laughs> in the gospel. It's more of a curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, and a come along with me, like you said, Noel, or let me come along with you. And I think that's what Christians need to be doing more of, especially with those who disagree with us, because isn't there like, I mean, wh- okay, what if there is no way to agree? What if these are people that we live with? What if we live in the house with them? We engage in our extended family with people. And there will be no coming to terms about these things in our lives. They won't reconcile the things that we disagree about. Can I still lay down my life for that person? Can I still serve that person? Can I still love them and be as curious about the things that are happening to them as I can someone who I disagree with? That's how we have to act as Christians. I don't agree with you. I think what you're saying is insane. I think you're imbalanced. <laughs> You've got all these things in your head. But am I willing to serve you as if you were the person I admire the most in the entire world? And serve with my heart, with my eyes, with my mind, with my heart, with my hugs, my attention. It's easier to kind of, when we come across these, we come across these people we disagree with, to just be like, well, <laughs> we'll just shove you over into the corner of my heart. I mean, I still love you and everything, but I'm not going to pay as much attention to you because annoying. (laughs) I have caught that in my heart and I have been challenged by God to make the person I don't understand at all the focus and the object of my love. And I think that's really what it's about. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's there's a a verse. I won't read the whole thing, but like the start of it is, you know, um, it's Matthew chapter seven, verse one is stop judging that you may not be judged for as you judge, you will you so will you be judged and the measure with which you measure will be measured out to you and i think that really speaks to like you it's okay it's okay to think that somebody is doing wrong it's okay to even say that that thing is Mm -hmm. wrong but i think where he's getting at in conjunction with a previous passage and i don't remember (laughs) where this is at i'm really bad at remembering bible verses and such but about, you know, um, you know, loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And, and, you know, he always talks about loving the person and, you know, loving the people that we disagree with. But I think it's basically saying that, you know, if you have that disagreement, if you think that they're wrong or you even know that they're wrong, still loving that person anyways. And that doesn't mean that you feel loving feelings towards them. If love is not necessarily a feeling. Feelings come with love, different forms of love. And those are, that's great. But love is an action. It's a choice that you make. And I think it's, I mean, I know that I've engaged in it and I try not to the more I kind of develop in my faith, but I'm, I don't, I'm never going to be perfect at it. But I think it's such a dangerous thing that we, that so many of us um, kind of fall into a trap that we think that 
you know, if we chastise that person, we tell them, you know, you're, you're doing wrong. This is, you know, bad, bad you. And I, I need to yell at you about it and tell you how wrong you are and how disgusting this is and how disgusting you are. Just that, you know, that, that verse alone, that Matthew chapter seven is, t- I think it's really telling us that if you go about disagreements in that way, then you're really leading yourself to hell. But if you choose to love that person, despite your disagreements by just showing them love instead, then choose them prefer you choose them, them rather than other yes people. yeah you choose them yeah. you choose Always. that love for them then you will not only i think you know be getting yourself like closer to heaven and closer to god but you'll be maybe planting that seed you talked about being on a road you know you could have your road to hell or your road to heaven emmanuel the name emmanuel means god with us and if we're called to be Christ to others, we're called to be with people yes. on their journey to heaven, not dragging them there, kicking and screaming. We're supposed to be with them. That means listening to them, helping them get there, not forcing them there. It's a journey. We're on this journey together, not against each other. And kind of tie, kind of tying in what y'all are all saying, I feel like, you, you know, we're talking about loving the person that we disagree with. And I think sometimes people think tough love is withdrawing from those people. Um, and, you know, we can get into another talk about setting boundaries. And But I think tough love t- really is kind of letting people experience the consequences of those actions. So if somebody is sinning, yes, we have the obligation to call out the sin, um, but we're not supposed to withdraw our love. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not supposed to l- let this person fend for themselves in terms of um, not the friendship, not having the fellowship and friendship of um, of our prayer, of uh, you know being there with the porch light on, you know, kind of thing. Like the the prodigal son's father let him go off and spend his whole fortune, um, but he you know ran out to meet him when he returned. So. I would say instead of having the attitude that, well, it's tough love for us to condemn the actions publicly of the people that we disagree with, I would say love is tough. <laughs> love is tough, and this is part of it, and especially with those that we disagree with, that we consider political enemies, ideological enemies, enemies of our religion, whatever it is. Those are the people that God specifically said we're supposed to love. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the like stereotypical middle child, um, like I mean I'm the middle of three girls, so I um, so I have that like peacekeeper personality, but I also have strong convictions. When I do have something that kind of beats against those convictions, I kind of get mama bear, and I, I know that personally, I really struggle with like figuring out where I don't know. I, I know I was like thinking about like how I feel like our society has tried to equate this like if you disagree with somebody you're intolerant of them or if you agree yes. with them then that means like the tolerant like that whole that it's they it's the same but it's not mm-hmm. and um, you can be tolerant I guess is the word of something but you know still disagree that understanding of that we that we do disagree is okay like we can you know but it we can agree to disagree. 
Um, well, see, and for me, like, I don't even necessarily like the term, like, tolerate with yes. regard to this. Just because, like, tolerate, I think, implies it's like an us versus them kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. A me versus right. them. You know what I mean? And, you know, yeah, their ideologies might be far off from my own. But, again, if we're talking about what Christ wants us to do, I think, you know, we were ta- we were ta- we've talked about he wants us to love the person. He wants us to be involved with the person, engage with mm-hmm. that person. Okay. And, you know, um, accept them with our whole hearts as a child of creation of god mm-hmm. um yeah that's just like my little little tidbit there mm-hmm. i don't think it's necessarily for me i don't think it's necessarily about tolerate because tolerate right. has like a, a hint of there's still irritation there yeah. and other we're, we're supposed to right. forgive like for you know and like you said, the prodigal son came back, and the father could. I, I'm sure he didn't tolerate what the child, what his son went and did, you know, with his money, but he forgave him for what he did with his money, and so there wasn't, you know, right? They're very different mm-hmm. things. Like it, just saying that you disagree with somebody doesn't mean that you're completely against them. Yes. Um, and to be able to have a rational and like loving conversation is, you know, you can still do that. It's just very hard, and when, um approaching somebody else who is so on guard mm-hmm. well I think, uh, sorry no, go ahead. we i think I th- i'm not sure if it was fulton sheen that said tolerate i or you don't have to tolerate ideas but you do have to tolerate people there's some, i've heard this quote from somewhere um that you we tolerate the person um, we're, we're called to love the person but we don't have to tolerate all the behaviors and ideas, <laughs> you know. I think sometimes when we disagree with someone, there's this idea, and I figured this out uh, over the last year, that in order to accompany or in order to walk with someone, that we have to give up our position mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, like, uh, if I'm going to love you, I need to, we just don't, aren't going to talk about these things. Or if I'm going to love you, I'll have to say I'm sorry for offending you when I this. And... There's a story, my husband and I read this in a devotional that we were doing, where in, in, a, in a monastery, when monks get into disagreements with one another, this is a Benedictine monk who wrote this, and, but I think this, the thread that's running through here isn't so much about um, tolerating as it is about humility, mm-hmm. and I think the monks, they'll disagree with each other, they'll have a fight or whatever, like as people do that live in community with each other, that does happen, <laughs> um, they'll, they'll, but if there's been a disagreement, they will go to one another. One of them will go to the other, maybe both at the same time, and they'll get on their knees, and they'll they'll ask the person who they very much disagree with. They're not giving up their ground. They're standing their ground. They're get, they're holding their position, but they disagree. And they'll ask them to bless them, the person who they disagree with. And to me, I think I think we can do that. I think we could try that <laughs> as humans. We could say, look. You and I are like polar opposites, but I am deeply interested in you. I deeply love you, and I need your prayers for me, and I need you to be in my life to teach me things. So please bless me. Let's bless each other, you know, even though we are having this disagreement. And maybe, you know, I do feel that I'm right here. Like, and this is especially true in marriage. Sometimes you got to hold your position. Yeah, you really, really do, because you're right <laughs> you know sometimes All you're wrong the time girl well <laughs> certainly in my case i'm always right. no i'm just kidding my husband doesn't listen so we're good no but i think 
Sometimes you do in relationships. It's, I just use marriage because it's just so close. And that's usually where disagreements happen just because we're walking this life together. Sometimes you need to hold that position because you're speaking the truth. But rather than let tension simmer between you and distance, which is the absolute enemy of a good marriage, going to your spouse and being like, look, I, this is not, this is just the truth. And this is what I believe, but I love you and I need you to bless me, even if we disagree. You know, I need you to love me anyway and work through it together. That's humility right mm -hmm. there. And that's what ties us together with people that we don't agree with because every single one of us was a much worse human in the past than we are now. You know, we were not always where we are as knowledgeable or as enlightened or as aware. We've all grown and we weren't always this way. And we all are developing at different points. God has a different trajectory. He has a different journey. He has a different way of doing it with all these different human beings. And humility allows for that. You know, it, it's that space that allows us to just exist without having to make the other person like us. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of the past, like when I first converted to Catholicism, I had found this faith that, you know, I had rejected so much in the past. I didn't know why I'd rejected it, but I rejected it. And I had found this truth that was so profound and it was so amazing and it was so powerful and everyone I know had to know about it <laughs> and they had to agree with me because it was amazing and so I remember just I was so mean and <laughs> oh my gosh I was so typical mean typical convert at oh first oh gosh yeah, that's what I told yeah a little bit on the, the pompous side is what I was but um, I remember, you know, I remember, you know, my sister telling me about a decision that she made and I just was just floored by it. It's like, I can't believe you could possibly do this because it's, you know, against church teaching and it's wrong. And I just <laughs> rolled my eyes at her and was just, I don't know, I was just so mean, but like that really like turned them away mm -hmm. from ever hearing me. And I mean, I did this many, many times. It wasn't just this once, unfortunately. But, you know, like eventually they just wouldn't have the conversation with me anymore. Mm, right. You know, I was kind of blind to why that was. I was just like, I'm just telling you the truth. Then as time went on, you know, I'm slowly realizing. But then even recently, um, within the last few months with everything that's gone on in our society, you know, like the racial injustices mm -hmm. and, you know, the mm -hmm. groups that have been coming up, like the upcoming elections um, and all of that. <laughs> But with the with the you know recent um, political everything that's been going on, I you know was on Facebook and I'd see these posts from people that I just thought were so insane. Like, how could you think this way? How could you believe this? And I would just get so upset about it. And then I'd you know be trying to tell people like, no, you're wrong. This is this is why I'm right. You know, this is what mm -hmm. you need to think. And I, would, I was just losing so much peace over it mm -hmm. and losing so much calm. And I really felt like I had to step away. Like I felt like it was something that like God was kind of calling me to. And I went through kind of a long process. I thought maybe he was just, you know, calling me away from that so that I could find peace, so that I could find calm again. And he did. But at the same time, he showed me how arrogant I was being, judgmental I was being. I didn't realize at the time how judgmental I was. And I can still be that way. I'm not saying like, you know, oh, I've gotten over it now. But like, <laughs> he just he just really showed me through all of that. It was kind of a slap in the face. Like, Alicia, you're, you're going down that road, that passage that I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. Like, you're going down that road. And you need to love the person regardless. And 
pray for that person you know if you know they're wrong or you think they're wrong pray for that person first and foremost and I think we all need that slap in the face sometimes (laughs) (laughs) we have kind of talked about like disagreement is always bad and just to kind of um you know, point out one one other thing about disagreement. It, it's not necessarily bad. Um, I enjoy a good debate. <laughs> you know, I really do. I get into it. I appreciate a good debate where we're um, uh, civil, where it's civil, and we're uh, really pursuing truth together is essentially what we're doing. And recently I heard a podcast uh, where they were discussing C.S. Lewis um, screw tape letters oh, and yes. the senior devil is training the younger devil wormwood mm-hmm. and he's saying you know keep things in confusion yes. don't let the human get to reason and logic because that is of our enemy you know which would be god mm-hmm. <laughs> um so keep things in confusion and i feel like that when we think that we're disagreeing sometimes it's it's there's so much confusion around it confusion in defining our terms confusion in um, uh, understanding one another's tone or we've already formed our argument we're not really listening and we stay in that confusion whereas if we were to get to kind of the um, peel back those layers and get to the reason and the logic and pursue truth together through these disagreements then we are doing something ultimately that could lead to a deeper holiness well and i actually just had this conversation with my nine-year-old the other day because we were talking about the communion of saints catholic church is supposed to be unified we are all supposed to be unified and our mission is to learn about each other and i told him i was like you need to even learn about other religions and what they believe because there is always a bit of truth about God everywhere. You you have to find the truth of God that is there and then expand on that. Mm-hmm. And because it, you, what you do is you find the commonplace between you and the other person can grow further in truth. I think we lose sight of that sometimes, that our mission isn't to go change everybody's mind. I mean, maybe the end goal is it's to show them the truth. It's not to change their mind. It's to show them, to reveal something to them, not to change who they are, but to help them grow into something more. And I also think that we have to remember that sometimes that takes time. Because when we do have an argument with somebody, I mean, my best friend and I in college, and we're still best friends. We've been best friends since fifth grade. So coming on 30 years of being best friends. Um, We lived in the same dorm room, and we had a disagreement where we did not talk to each other for two weeks. Like, we didn't live, like, in the same apartment. We lived in the same room, like, little (laughs) tiny room and I don't know if you've ever gone two weeks without talking to the person that you live with but it is not comfortable (laughs) but eventually we gave each other the time that we needed to heal from the initial hurt and then we were able to have that true conversation with each other and exchange ideas so that we could figure out where the other person was coming from we still didn't agree with each other at the end of the conversation but we were able to see where the other person was coming from and heal that hurt so i think that even within a disagreement sometimes you have to give somebody some time time is key also when you reveal a truth to somebody yeah well and stacy i think that goes you know you're 
talking along the same lines as Noel. I think it's really like it's emotions. When we allow emotions to guide us, mm-hmm. that's when that confusion can really flourish. Those, you know, and so if we allow ourselves time to get past those emotions, and, the, and really, I think that comes with forgiveness, like you know, mm-hmm. choosing to forgive, even when those that you know those emotions aren't there that you want to forgive that person, but choosing to do so, and every time that you know, um, every time that conversation or that conflict comes up in, in your mind. Um, and those feelings whelp up again to choose forgiveness again, then you can really get at the heart of the matter and you can really discuss things more rationally and, you know, with that love that we've been talking about. Um, Because again, love isn't necessarily a feeling. It's an action. It's choosing to not only, I mean, will that good for somebody, you know, want that good for them, but be that good for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Something that along that same line, Alicia, that um, always has helped me um, when I know I'm right um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and addressing a disagreement is um, going to confession and not just you know so not just choosing to forgive but allowing yourself to be forgiven to um, accept that humility like Noel had said discourse isn't bad and emotions are neither good or bad either it's how we approach them or how we react to them that can turn good or bad. So like even within a disagreement, we can still feel those emotions. Like you can still get a little tense. Like, well, I don't, but are you going to jump on that person and, and get irate with them because of those feelings? Are you going to try to pull back and wait to see where they're going with their point? And none of us are perfect. So like Annie says, then we have to be open to forgiveness, not just of any hurt that comes from them, but also of ourselves and what, how we react or what we say. Mm-hmm. And bring it to God. Yep. Mm-hmm. Always bring it to God. Well, I, mm-hmm. I think and this is just the teaching side of me coming out. Mm-hmm. If we can leave people with some practical ideas yes. for how to do this, because it's all well and good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we all know this is mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. I think the easiest thing to do is to try teaching this to your kids if yes. you have kids, because then you kind of teach yourself in the process. I think teaching our children not to react to each other, or they're going to, but to teach them how to kind of check that that reactive nature over and over again. Say, wait, wait for it. You know, let Jesus respond. Wait for it. Just don't. Don't hit him. Don't fire back. Just wait a second. And just, just because they have to be learned, they have, they have you got to learn them. No, <laughs> you have to be taught. We need to be taught how to restrain that impulse of the will to fire back. And that's half the problem with social media. I guarantee you it's because we don't just say, hold on, <laughs> you know, before we get the, the trigger fingers going with the, with the thumbs and the typing. I think just learning to restrain the impulse to respond is huge. So when the disagreement happens or when somebody triggers you, it, it, it just or even when you see your kids getting triggered, learning to study them and teach them when that's happening to you, back up, back physically up, <laughs> okay? Stop and let the Holy Spirit have a chance to enable you, okay, to respond to that and then it's also about you see kids would even get bitter with each other like they'll when they'll talk about their sibling or to their sibling there's a snarl in their voice or there's like a 
you know, the older sibling is a little bit condescending with the other one, or, you know, you just, you hear these tones, and I think that that's practical, too. When I think about this person, is there a tone in my head? <laughs> like, is there a tone that that person takes when I talk to them? Is there a tone that happens in my voice? Is there a spirit that rises up in me? And God forbid, is that coming through? I think these are practical ways to curb this and to actually show people love as opposed to just saying, well, I forgive you, you hurt me, but how can we actively make the love show up in our face and in our actions? Teach your kids how to do it <laughs> and then do it yourself with the people around you. I think that's a practical way. But then the saints are going to tell you too, always choose the thing. If you really want to be holy, always choose the thing and the person you like the least the action you like the least, the chore you like the least, that's what you choose if you want to be holy. Choose that thing and pursue it because that's what's going to lead you to die to yourself, which leads you to union with God. So I just think from a practical aspect, it's all about restraining impulse and, and watching the way that you think about people, even in your own mind, deep inside your heart, you know, and watching the tone that you use with people. These are just practical ways that you can actually love them even as you're disagreeing with them, things you can check mark or check off. That's sort of like a, a method. And maybe even a, a first step is to do an examine every night. Um, I'm all about that. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, at the end of your day, you know, do it, go through an examine and see how you reacted to people throughout your day and kind of make that plan to do better the next day or even go back to the people that, oops and you, that you do need to fix something with um uh, that would be a good first step to practicing to doing mm -hmm. it in the moment because i think in the moment is a lot harder mm -hmm. than afterwards but if we start doing it at the end of the day it'll be easier to do it when we're right in the middle of it all in the muck of it and for those who need something tactile, you might be sensory-oriented, um, sacrifice beads. If you put those on your keychain, on your belt, on a bracelet, those yeah. could be really helpful. And if there's any makers out there listening who make those or have sell them in your Etsy shop, so, you know... Um, and send I, us a message if you make those in your shop or something. And they're also really awesome too because most of them are can also be done. You can do a decade of a rosary on them. So they're good for prayer time and for reflection throughout your day when you're doing something that's irritating or having to deal with somebody that's getting on your nerves. You pull a bead and give it up to God. And, yeah, and I think also remembering that we're called to be Christ to people. And if, and if that brings me back to prayer. Like, you know, anytime, for instance, when I'm struggling with my kids and I go in and out of like, you know, doing pretty good. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like a decent mom. And then I'm like, oh, I'm horrible. <laughs> and like, you know, it goes in and out of waves. I've noticed that when I'm having those, you know, harder times when I'm feeling more like I'm yelling more and I'm getting, you know, on, I'm throwing fits myself more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's because I'm not... Like in the heat of the moment, I'm not stopping to just practically take a breath because it gets the oxygen back into your mm -hmm, brain mm -hmm. so that you can actually start thinking rationally mm -hmm. again as opposed to that fight or flight reflex. Take a drink of water. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of step back like you were talking about. And then I honestly just, I, you know, say a prayer. And oh, I think, I think it always comes back to prayer, like saying a prayer because if you want to be 
that light of love for your kids or for anybody who you're around, then I think it's an act of grace. It's something that we're not necessarily going to get just on our own. It's something that God God gives us through his grace and we have to be receptive to that. And if you know, I think the way that we get that is by asking God to give that to us in those moments and every day when we practice knowing that, you know, okay, I failed, but I can get back up. Mm. You know, like I can keep getting back up and keep going a million back times to God. A day. <laughs> yeah, and in you know, as much as in the past I felt like, you know, I've failed, you know, five hundred times today, God must be so disappointed with me. He is so much more overjoyed when you come back to him yes. after those failures. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that's why we have the Our Father. All day long, we can forgive those who have trespassed against us. Mm-hmm. We need to forgive our children during the day when they <laughs> trespass against us. Because they do. They're little sinners just like you are. And they, we trespass against each other. We are against our children, them against us. We started, actually, when you say the Our Father at night, because I have a very strong-willed older child who is quite prone to quick fits of anger. We started adding a pause when we were saying the Our Father after that part of it, as we forgive those who trespass against us, so that every single day there is a place in her day where she actively calls to mind all the things that her brother has done to sin against her. And we encourage this. And then she lets them go and leaves them at the foot of the cross that day, and she moves on. We had to do this because it was, she was starting to carry this over into bitterness. Honey, I'm so sorry if you're listening to this when you're growing up. I'm not going to say your name, but you know who you are. Um, But she needed that space to just tell God all the stuff that he did that really annoyed her, irritated her, and then just leave it at his feet and ask for his help. And so we started doing that. We started adding a pause so that she can have that space to do that or else she doesn't care. She carries this bitterness over into the days and it becomes a true division between them, which we we don't want to allow. We can't allow that. So that's beautiful. One thing I was going to say is you guys keep talking about taking a breath and all I can keep thinking about is Yahweh isn't really a name. It's a sound Mm -hmm. and it's the breath of God. You know, Mm -hmm. it's breathing. Mm -hmm. And so even our own breath is a prayer. Yes. And so when you take, you step back and you take that breath and you think of the breath of God entering you and calming you. And so even your own breath, inhaling and exhaling, is a prayer mm-hmm. in of itself. It's just something that kept popping in my head when you guys were talking about stepping back and taking a breath. And I was just like, well, that right there, that's God with you. The name of God is breathing, is life. It's just a sign of life. Making It's beautiful, Stacy. But it really is. <laughs> so um, when you are... Having trouble being charitable to those that you disagree with. Remember to take that moment to step back and have a breath. Evaluate your emotions, what your reactions to those are going to be. And when you fail, it's okay. We need to just go back and examine that and possibly go to confession for it and try to do better next time because we're here to lead each other to heaven. We're on a journey. We're supposed to be unified all together, all the way to heaven. And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Join us again in two weeks when we discuss cultivating a grateful heart. Until then, may God bless you and may Mary accompany